Hello and welcome to NFL Only Better. It is our Thanksgiving special. We're going to preview the three games taking place on Thursday. That's Bills at Lions, Giants at Cowboys, Patriots at Vikings, all in the presence of the wonderful John Balf. Thank you, Karen. I'm, I'm delighted to be your Thanksgiving turkey uh, this afternoon. That's weird. I'm not going to stuff you, John. <laughs> Stop asking. And direct and live from stateside, Mike Carson. Yeah, good morning. It's uh, very early in the morning right here, and I need another drink to get going. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it is. It's quite early for you. Nothing, All right. Nothing like apple cider um, when you're when you're back where the apples apples grow. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow's big game, Bridge, Bridgeport Central against Harding High School. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you going no, to advance that? Is that we'll be spending team? 30 minutes talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, well, the oldest the oldest football high school football game is in this this state as well, Norwich Free Academy against New London. The first one was played in 1875. I and what was there. that game like? I know you attended. Was it yeah, a little bit more like it looked more like soccer or uh, an amalgam of soccer and rugby than it did football? But that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so some of you will have listened last week. Well, hopefully all of you, <laughs> and, and you will have heard um, me obviously try and get out of this whole "I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan" that has been thrown at me. I don't know about that here. Um, by tipping up the Vikings, uh, who were at home on an eight-game winning streak and were underdogs, and fairly, fairly, fairly stunk the place out in the end. I guess um, very quickly on this game, what two things have raised in mind is, you know, obviously what happened, Mike, I guess, and then maybe we'll move on, John, to uh, are the Dallas Cowboys realistic contenders? Because something Tony Romo said in the middle of the commentary uh, really caught my attention. He basically said, well, like, this is probably it because, you know, Prescott's playing well. They have two great running backs um, and it's a run. It's very much a run dominated league this season. And they're going to lose their defensive coordinator and their offensive coordinator, highly likely to lose both at the end of this season. So, Mike, first Vikings, like what what went wrong for them? And then like Dallas, what, what are you thinking? Well, the Vikings just weren't that good to begin with. Um, you know, probably that eight and one record was, was much too shiny um, for the, for them to ever maintain. And what Dallas did basically was, was to shut down their run game. And and as you said, running has become an important part because a lot of the quarterbacks need play action in order to be make, to make their offenses um, efficient. And they ran Something I think I was saying a couple of weeks ago, they ran the same kind of offense they ran when Prescott was out. You know, don't give Dak the ball 30 times a game to throw. Use your running game. And everyone makes a big deal about Tony Pollard being the the better runner and, and, you know, Zeke. But they're really a great one-two punch. You know, um, they had one sequence where Pollard tried twice to score from the two-yard line and couldn't, and they brought Zeke in on third down. He got the touchdown. He he blocks uh, pass blocks better. Pollard's the better receiver. Pollard's a lot quicker. Zeke's a lot more powerful. And they're basically, I think, when they settle down to do that kind of um, one-two punch and run the ball and stop uh, Minnesota from running. As soon as they were in the league, the, in the lead, and they knew Minnesota was going to have to throw the ball, they could tie. You know, they they can tie up at. Um, Kirk Cousins, which is always a good thing to do. And the more you pressure Cousins, the harder it is for him to play, which is true of any quarterback, but but more so. So I, I think the, the surprise to a lot of people was that their run defense was as good as it was 
Um, but it isn't bad. It's just that their pass defense is so good. Their pass rush is so good. People think the run defense must be bad as a result because they weren't running. I think it it tells us that Dallas could make a long run this year. Um, I mean, that, that was a that was a kind of prove it game. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you feel it in Romo's voice. He was like, I can't believe this. Um, Romo now, supporting the Cowboys. Who would have thought? <laughs> well, we all do, seemingly. Um, <laughs> he, he and Kieran are very happy in the night. Very season. happy. Oh. I mean, me and Tony get on very, very well. Um, <laughs> let's be clear on this. NFC East is a minefield for them. Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, Washington Commanders, all with playoff ambitions. However, Eagles are 1-5 to five to be the division winner. Dallas are 3-1. to one. The Giants are mm. 20s. The Commanders are 150 to one. So they're going to have to go the long way around it, more than likely. Uh, they are now uh, cut from to 9-2 to two to be the NFC winners. Eagles 2-1. to one. Ferrari Niners 3-1. to one. Dallas 9-2, Vikings are out to 7s, Bucks out to 7s, and it's 18s bar. So you can see where they're coming from. And they've actually been cut now into, let me count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6th favourites, or joint 5th favourites for the Super Bowl. Behind the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the 49ers, and on the same price as the Ravens. Um, are you buying or selling, shall we say, to quote another show, John, a big run from the Dallas Cowboys this year? I'm more into it now than I was certainly a few weeks ago. Um what I've noticed about them, and I think it's you know a credit to the way they've set up the team at the moment, is that if you remember when Cooper Rush was in there a few weeks ago for for a little bit of a sequence while Dak Prescott was injured, he did he you know he kept he kept the ship afloat, and uh, they but they what they did was they didn't give him too much to do uh, with the ball in his hand, and like you said, they kind of lent on that run game, which is Mike says they got that one of the better you know, sort of one-two punches in the league with with Elliot and Pollard there. Um, but what they've done now that Prescott is back is that like almost exactly what Mike was saying is that they haven't necessarily you know put too much weight on Prescott to sort of take the entire offense in his hands. They've sort of maintained that sort of um, slower role with the quarterback, and it's really paying dividends at the moment for them, I think. And you know what? I'm really starting to get high on the on, on the Cowboys at the moment because you know like we've we've talked about it all season, but the NFC isn't necessarily the most talent-filled conference in the in the NFL, well, the two of them, I suppose. But, like, it's certainly, it's the red-headed stepchild compared to the AFC, you'd have to say. And, uh, you know, it's still really, really there for the taking. If You, you know, as you mentioned, that nobody expected, particularly you, Kieran, nobody expected that uh, that Cowboys-Viking mm-hmm. results at all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see the Cowboys win, I suppose, wasn't that much of a surprise, you know. But yeah. to see them win by that margin was astonishing. Uh, the game uh, didn't go over, by the way, because of the Vikings. The exactly. over under it was forty eight point <laughs> yeah. five. Forty points were provided by Dallas, and three were provided by the Vikings. And that's always the thing you have to caution with <laughs> over unders as well, because you need both teams to sort of play along in those ones. Well, if you're going for the for the over, of course, maybe not so much for the under. Um, but yeah, and with the Vikings, this was sort of. It's like that bit in the Wizard of Oz where you look kind of behind the cloth and see what's going on there. Like their their record wasn't, you know, they were kind of a middle of the road team, really, if you look at all the metrics and their stats and their yards for play and how the defense is working. But they've just been, they've been more consistent than great, uh, which is the thing we kind of said about the Titans, I think, last week as well. But, you know, when that's your strategy and when that's the way you're playing, you're going to get found out eventually. And I think, you know, if you're if you're a Viking supporter, to lose like that to a team like Dallas, who you might have thought that you're kind of on equal ground with, is a bit of a is a telling situation. Yeah, I we'll, thought Dal- Dalvin Cook had the play of the game though for Minnesota when when he got a taunting penalty after he had a big gain in front of the mm-hmm. Cowboys bench. And you're down thirty-seven to three. <laughs> you have you have no business taunting anybody. I would bench somebody if they celebrate or do something like that on thirty-seven to three. Well, it's ridiculous. 
we don't know exactly what was said to him. Like he he was like prompted to taunt, shall we say, by someone on the Dallas sidelines. But obviously, yeah. he's in the game, and that person is not in the game, so he should probably. Uh, just keep it to himself. Uh, do you agree that they will probably lose Dallas, both their offensive and defensive coordinators, Mike? No, not necessarily. I think Dan oh. Quinn's Dan Quinn's probably a better bet to go. Um, the word is supposedly that Jerry loves Kellen Moore and, and might make him the head coach. If Mike McCarthy were to go out on a high note, that would would make a certain amount of sense, I suppose. But, you know, in, in all honesty, I don't see that much from Kellen Moore that would, you know, make me rush out to hire him as a head coach. Um, and, and Isn't he lauded? Of, I've watched he, several not, NFL shows where he's been lauded. He's supposed to be a really smart, um, smart coordinator, but being a really smart coordinator, and, and you can't really tell with Dallas sometimes, um, but, but certainly between Jerry and McCarthy being the head coach, you know, how much of the head coaching kind of um, ability is in that resume? That's what, that's what I'm not sure of, you know, is, is he, you know, will he turn into just another smart coordinator, a Zach Taylor say, or, mm. or, you know, a Kevin Stefanski. Um, but, but you don't seem, you, you don't seem to, uh, to get the, it's more than just calling plays. You know, a, a lot of these teams do well on, uh, someone was pointing out this week, uh, Kevin Stefanski's teams always seem to do well on the first series of the game when he's doing his like prescripted plays that he wrote mm-hmm. up on Tuesday. Um, but then the Browns, by the way, just to cut across it, the Browns are zero and five when they score the first touchdown this season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, that that's a long winded, long winded way of saying um, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think Dan Quinn might well get another chance, but um, in today's, Today's NFL, those second chances for older guys are, you know, are fewer and farther between. Um, everybody wants to go young and young and exciting, you know. And, um, well, we are exciting also, people. We are exciting. Yeah, what, yeah, I'm sounding like I'm still asleep. Um, wasn't it great that like three, four weeks ago we were saying, oh, the Giants were going to have this unimpeded run to the playoffs because they had such an easy schedule and now, like the NFC East is actually a difficult schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose with our with our looking ahead at um very quickly in the final point on this, if things were to slightly go to plan, and uh, Eagles fans don't write in, but if the NFC Championship game was San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, who would we go for at the moment? I'd go San Francisco. Yes, yeah, so would I. I. Let's I'd be probably honest. lean San Francisco at the moment, but you know right that on. is. It is the sort of thing that might might change. You know, we, we, there is still an absence of evidence, and we could the Cowboys could go on a proper tear between now and the and by the time the playoffs come. Of course, around, we know so. if the Cowboys hosted at home, the sun will be in it, <laughs> as it was last well, year. My my one my one my one worry, my biggest worry about San Francisco Dallas, if you were if you were going San Francisco, would be Micah Parsons, um, and, and the pass rush because they could really discombobulate Jimmy G. Um, and they could they are Mike I know you don't like fantasy but I have the Dallas d- d- defense and they have been doing amazingly for me and they are I read today like they they're, they call them fantasy gold their points right are insane sometimes they scored um, 16 points against Minnesota they scored 11 against Chicago 22 against the Lions 21 against the Rams I mean, this is a team, they sack a lot, they intercept a lot, they do pick six. Yeah, 
And but is that like your is that like your nectar card? If you get like sixteen fantasy points, you get one point six <laughs> points in the game. <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to explain what a nectar card is to me. <laughs> um, let's oh very lastly before we move on to the three games and we're going to run through the three games pretty quickly as our resident patriot mike and as our non-resident patriot john was it a push in the back or from the side during the return for the winning patriots uh kickoff return mike that was it was from the side it was from the side John, yeah, I probably, I had yeah, no, I, had no I leaned towards the side as well. It was kind of, you know, it was kind of from an angle. It was diagonal almost, but let's go with the side. You know, it's easier. You just don't want to see them call back. Like it would have been a field goal to win the game anyway. And obviously there was high wins and there had been missed field goals because it wasn't exactly a classic. Yeah. Um, but it's those type of plays, unless you had backed the Jets, which, bro, <laughs> let's cut that out. Um <laughs> <laughs> You know, you don't want to see them call back because they're so great to see something that was so. But I, I, I could see why some people in New York might have thought that it looked well, like. Of, it. of course, so one, one thing. I mean, that with with them going into Minnesota, don't get too. I mean, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson was terrible. Mm-hmm. Mark, um, Mac Jones was not that much better. You know, his stat line looks great, but when you watch the game, exactly, I agree. He he, he kept throwing. You know, third and twelve, he would throw like a six yard check down to. Ramonde Stevenson and Stevenson would then carry three guys another seven yards for a first time. <laughs> and, 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 and literally they, they did that at least half a dozen times in the game. You know, his, his stat line would have looked a, a lot worse if he'd been throwing to guys who weren't always getting yards afterwards. Yeah. And, and the one thing I'll just say about that, you know, offensive powerhouse of a match was that in the, in, in the second half, the Jets averaged 2.77 inches per play. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Right. Yeah. Not, not yeah. phenomenal. Two yards of offense, one in each quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. And actually, it did lead to, it's something we might talk about again, um, but it did lead to, I, saw, I see a lot of people kind of kind of rolled in, row in on, on what we've been saying is that there is a lot of mediocre teams. When they all meet at kind of six o'clock and you see yeah. games like uh, the Ravens game, the Lions game, the Patriots game, Jets game, like you know, 3-3, three, three, zip, zip half time like really you know yeah. not great football um you know and and the average at half time score was about 12 to 16 points in a game that's that's not yeah. great great but if you're a though well yeah and it doesn't have to be as mike has said many times like it doesn't have to be high scoring to be exciting although it kind of does but it doesn't have to be high scoring. but it also when when you're seeing poor play like that it can be a little bit uh, frustrating but we won't see that on Thursday will we when the Bills head to the Lions <laughs> speaking of poor play the Detroit Lions <laughs> um, I'm always reminded of that family guy joke when he uh, Brian lands in the pit um, of the Lions then uh, at the zoo and he goes shouldn't you be at home getting beaten at a, in an NFL game <laughs> it is Buffalo Bills 1-4 to four, Detroit Lions 16-5 to 9.5 is the o- is the spread excuse me in the over under well, 54.5 heavens to Betsy that seems high um well, you uh, John, you, you you would have watched the Cleveland Browns get off to a pretty decent start against the Bills and, and then kind of lose a bit of uh, momentum and end up on the uh, not well, on the end of a That's what way to put it. Yeah, that's what way to put it. And then, then get the garbage time touchdowns to make the score look like it was somewhat competitive. That's, so. that's how you do it, lad. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you had a little bit of a close look at the Bills last week. What what what, what did you see that you liked? Um, yeah, there's you know. I did have a thought, particularly when Cleveland started well in that game. And I, like Cleveland, the 
the truth is out with that team. They're just not good this year, full stop. Offense is okay, defense is terrible. That's just what it is going to be. Um, so like it was it was the type of game where you'd imagine Buffalo, particularly with someone like Josh Allen in there, to really, really profit. But I did think maybe it's just my sort of brand's tinted glasses, but you know. I did think that the Bills were kind of their own worst enemy from time to time. But then again, you know, the, the class comes through at the end. And as soon as they decided to start throwing the ball to Stefan Diggs, things started happening for them, which, you know, that's not really a mystery to anybody in this Zoom call or listening to the show. Uh, if you if you have Josh Allen passing to Stefan Diggs, things are going to happen on the scoreboard. So that was, that was the interesting thing from the Bills perspective, I think. But I, I still can't, can't really escape the thought that for all the talk of them being you know the bona fide super bowl uh, favorites and like they're up there for sure no doubt about it but they still look a little bit human they still allow games to get away from them uh particularly in the last like two or three weeks and maybe that just coincides with uh josh allen being slightly injured and having a bit of a troublesome elbow but i mean it doesn't seem to be bothering him too much just from the eye test of watching them play because he's still able to throw the ball like whatever it is 60 yards in a or 60 or 70 yards in a go if he needs to so i think that they're uh they're perhaps a little bit more human than we'd anticipated and they're there for the taking, but still there's just so many good elements to that team. And, but they, I think they, you know, the lions one will be a good test for them this weekend because the lions after a terrible start, now they're starting to pick up a little bit of steam on the season. They've won a bunch of games in a row, three in a row as it is at the moment. And uh, I'll, I'll hand over to Mike now in a second, but the one thing I just wanted to mention about the lions is that I think that Aiden Hutchinson has been a tremendous mm. uh, draft pick for them. Yeah, like he's he's looking like to me, you know, I mean, this is it's great after the fact, you know, you can see this thing, but he looks like to me that he should have been the guy that went number one uh, ahead of Trayvon Walker, who, who the who the Jags picked instead. Hutchinson has got five and a half sacks on the year so far, and that's more than Walker, but he also has more um, interceptions than than Sauce Gardner over the Jets, who's like a he's a tremendous quarterback. And now that's a little bit of a full statistic because if you're an excellent quarterback, you just don't get targeted and therefore don't get the opportunities as much to make uh, interceptions and things like that. But I think. Aiden Hutchinson is really looking like a game record, the sort of a TJ Watt type player can go in there and really, really change, you know, how an entire defense is looking. Like even just to, on the TJ Watt thing, you saw when he when he's not playing for the Steelers, they're, you know, they were almost like a t- they're a rubbish team. The d- defense falls off, but when he's back there, it goes completely back on the rails. So that seems like the sort of influence that Hutchinson is, not, Hutchinson is having on Detroit, and that might be a thorn in the side for for Buffalo this weekend, particularly if Josh Allen is still nursing a, a sore elbow. Okay, excellent. Okay, uh, Mike, you, you just sort of whispered to yourself there when I said fifty-four point five, and I'm but you said you can see why. Um, well, uh, because Detroit scored what thirty-one against the Giants, um, and because Buffalo can can score um, on the fast track, which which they proved um, in the game that was moved out of the snow, they got thirty-one, so that adds up to sixty-two, and um, the, the bookies probably like that. I think the interesting thing is what Detroit did to the Giants was simply stop the run game completely. Saquon Barkley got nothing against them, which was something that I don't think any of us expected the Lions would be able to do because their run defense had been bad. Um, and I agree with John that Aiden Hutchinson's a big, was a big part of that win. But, you know, what, what happens is if you force, if you force the Giants into the air, Daniel Jones is generally going to make some mistakes and, and you're going to be able to capitalize them. The problem with Buffalo, of course, is if you force them into the air, they're happy to let Josh Allen pass. And last week, the most interesting thing to me in that game was that Singletary and, and James Cook 
carried the ball 29 times uh, of the 33 runs that they ran. They weren't running Josh Allen as a single wing tailback um, in that game. So um, I think you'll see, you'll see them attempt to do the same thing in this game um, and whether Detroit can make that harder for them two week, two weeks in a row. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced. Um, so I, I kind of like, like Buffalo here, but I'm not sure I like them by the nine and a half. Um, if you, if you think this is an over game at 53, then, then you, you I, I think you probably take Detroit with the points, but I'm not, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Um, I also don't know. I should have looked and tried to find out, but whether Buffalo actually went home after the game on Sunday or if they just stayed in Detroit. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that, actually. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. they went home. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Heard, I, I think I heard last week that they were staying. I can't okay. imagine yeah. they I went mean, home. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine you know, Josh Allen has to shovel six feet of snow before he can get in the door of his house? You know? With his elbow? That's not a good, that's not no. a good idea. Oh, it is injury. Come on. <laughs> uh, half past nine here, uh, it is the New York Giants taking on the Dallas Cowboys. We've already spoke about 16 to five about the New York Giants. Dallas Cowboys now one to four. That is a real, you know, you know, what have you done for me lately, Price? Let's be honest, mm. one to four. Uh, and the spread is high as well at 9.5. as uh, 45.5 is the over-under. Because th- let's be honest, the Giants have been pretty decent this season. They're an up-and-down kind of team. Um, but it's, it's nearly 10 points, Mike. This is Brian Dable's Coach of the Year game. Um, if he can figure out a way to um, to keep them to keep them close to Dallas, uh, I, I'll be surprised. Because... If you look, if you look at what what Detroit did to them um, last week, Dallas is perfectly capable of doing the same thing and more because they have better pass rushers. Um, and so Dayball ha- right now has to be scheming ways to try to get the ball to Barkley and try to protect Daniel Jones um, a bit more so that he doesn't turn the ball over um, a lot. I the spread it, it started the week at eight and a half, and I I kind of thought eight and a half was was about right. Um, you know, it, it was, it was tempting either way. Um, but I would probably have gone down Dallas at eight and a half. The more, the more it goes, the, the less faith I have, but I just can't, I, I'm not sure the giants keep this one competitive at all. I have already made a bet in this game. I've backed the over at 43.5. So it's now moved to 45.5. I'm surprised. It's going to two. It's going to be two. Yeah. Since when? Since last night? No, since uh, Monday is when oh, I okay, did it. Right, Monday, right. Monday's well, when I did it. It's still like just a day and a half, then. It's still um, two points well, swinging. I move markets, John. What can I say? <laughs> sure um, yeah, it was, 40, it was 44 or 5 when I looked. Yeah, yeah I think that's that's moving. It's creeping up, which I guess feels like that, obviously, if a team scores 40 points in a game. and you know, Yeah. Well, we're not saying say, Dallas are going to do that again, but how do you see it going, John? Well, they, when I've got written down. I didn't actually – I was going to go – I'll just go to the chase. My my wager on this is going to be the the minus nine and a half for the Cowboys in this one. I just think they're going to have too much um, for New York. And it, I, again, I think I think that's a big margin for two teams who are you know division rivals and both teams who have seven and three records. But like we say, the, I think the recent evidence suggests that this is this is Dallas is there for the taking. Uh, that's a that's a low over under. I kind of just defaulted to the points in this one, but that over under has got me second guessing now because the. The Cowboys in their last three games have scored 49, 29, and 40 points. So they're 
you know they're doing their part when it comes to the uh, to the to the over under certainly uh, again mentioned that the Vikings didn't do their part last week but uh, that's, yeah but uh, Dallas scored a lot against the Packers as well who they played the week before like, yeah 20, 29 yeah. they but they lose they lost by a handful of points in that one as well but yeah that's uh, that actually has me I, I'm swinging my bet on that one I'm going to go with the the over on this one as well and to anybody listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday morning whatever it sounds like by what Kieran is saying that 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 number might might change by the time Sunday comes around so this could be there could be value in getting in early on this over under I think that's uh, that's a very good one at the moment yeah it's a good point uh, final game we're looking at now for the of the three Thanksgiving games is the late one 20 past one in the morning which uh, it'll be Mike you'll be you'll be well oiled no it won't be 20 past one for you no it'll be, it'll be <laughs> Uh, the New England Patriots take on the Minnesota Vikings. There's a lot of teams that we've got to talk about. Uh, 11 to 10 about the New England Patriots. Minnesota Vikings 3 to 4. It's almost like I planned it that way. Uh, 2.5 is the uh, spread and the over-under is 42.5. So this, is, this is really the closest game of the three, Mike, um, unfortunately for people here in the UK and Ireland. Um, your Patriots head to the Vikings. Patriots, like... They're in the playoffs for all the doom and gloom at the moment. They're going okay. I don't. I don't think so. Um, okay. I mean, no. What, what's going? What's going okay is is their defense and their situational football. Um, and you know when they went when they went into that last punt, they had an obvious. They were they were setting up a punt return. You know they they were playing that to get into field goal range, probably, you know, not, not as anticipating a touchdown, but, you know, the gunners, the gunners were both um, double teamed, the, you know, and Minnesota, Minnesota probably shouldn't have given them, uh, sorry, um, the Jets, Jets probably should have, shouldn't have given them the uh, punt, you know, the, um, or time to play with it anyway, but, but they're horrible offensively. Um, Patriots. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Patriots. There's no there's no creativity there. Um, yeah, they, they're the, it's by the numbers play calling most of the time. They're really they're really trying to shorten Mac Jones's playbook and reads and, and make things simple for him. And in his second year, they should have been they should be expanding it. You know, and um, the number of times they had third downs and you know they went to the run run right run left. You know, no motion, no deception. No, it, it starts to get very frustrating. And I think Minnesota will understand that this is for them. It, last week was, it's kind of a wipe the board game. Yeah. You know, the only thing you can do is forget about it and plan. The Pats play really good situational football. They're bad against really fast teams that play open and wide open because their defense is, is slow kind of up front, slow, but strong. So that plays in against Minnesota really well. If they can keep Justin Jefferson in check, um, that's really the main thing they have to worry about. I think they feel they'll be able to stop Dalvin Cook. So I, I don't know if it was it was two and a half. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, it still is two and a half. I would I would go with the Patriots if it were three three and a half. I'm I'm not sure they. I think it's a field goal game with Minnesota, but I think Minnesota at home is probably winning it. Um, and I actually think going under, even though 41 is a bit low, going under would probably be where where I'd be. Well, there was only 
what was the last game? 10-3 that the Patriots were in, and that's well, yeah. seven of those. Well, well, I mean, for all Kirk Cousins' problems, he's no he's no Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank, yeah. Thank Zach didn't let the Spence. defense down, uh, Wilson. The, the interesting thing about about the Patriots is always this kind of lore about them. And, and John, we we've we've a friend who's quite a heavy Patriots fan. We know a couple of Patriots fans, and it's always that in Bill we trust thing. You know that mm. that was there for years with Brady and Bill, and obviously he is you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time in the NFL, that he has a plan and this is the plan at the moment to get them into the playoffs and then maybe let Mac Jones cook. Um, <laughs> but, um, or a microwave, at least, or something least, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sous chef. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mac, open a kin of tin of beans, man. Yeah. Um, do you see it like? Because I don't see it myself at the moment with him there. With Bill being the, no, the... yeah. Well, we, we, Bill hasn't got a master plan for this guy. Well, I mean, there's still for all you know. You kind of look at the roster and you compare it, even to even compare it to the, the the Vikings this week. The Vikings have better players individually across several key positions compared to the Patriots. Like they've got a better. Kirk Cousins is one of the you know elite elite quarterbacks in the league, but he's better than Mac Jones. Dalvin Cook is better than anything that the the Patriots. Oh, Stevenson has been good to be to his credit. Like he's not a, he's not a bum, but no one's going to say that he's better than Dalvin Cook. And the Patriots don't have anybody even remotely as good a receiver as Justin Jefferson is. And even you know, I said I know that the Patriots invested heavily in tight ends last season, but is 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 T.J. Hawkinson better than anything that they have? Probably at best, it's a it's a it's a dead heat, you know. So, but so therefore, the fact that the Patriots can kind of coexist with these teams, and you know, more often than not, they've got a winning record. More often than not, beat them. I think you can only really look at the the coaching in this one as well. But at the same time, like it's a bill thing rather than uh, an overwhelming or an overall, I should say, uh, Patriots coaching thing because you know the the coordinators that they have there, Patricia and Judge, have been you know been criticized all season for what they're doing what they're doing a lot of people are saying that josh mcdaniels will be back there before you know in the off season if he doesn't keep his job in in, in las vegas which you know that might be a possibility as well um but i think that in this particular game the i think did, did i think mike said that the over under now is is it 41 in this one 42.5 okay it was 42.5 oh, sure. yesterday evening so yeah that's that that's that's my pick in this particular one because like for, you know just to put some facts and figures on the Patriots offense at the minute. They're dead last in the entire NFL in, in yards per play across the last, uh, last three weeks, uh, which is not good, but they still have one of the best defenses. Uh, so that could be something that will stif- really, really stifle the, uh, the, the Vikings skill position players, the ones we have just mentioned, like Jefferson and Cook, and particularly with the Vikings putting three points on, on Dallas last weekend. And the Patriots essentially putting three points on their game as well, you know, except for that um, kick return touchdown, obviously, which made it 10-3. This has the all the marks of, a, of an under in this one. It's a lower over under with 42 and a half. But I mean, if you just look at the facts and figures of this one, it's hard to look beyond that. Uh, I would probably favor the Vikings to get a win in this one. But I think the better of all the ways to look at this is just to go with the under 42 and a half and see what happens. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. okay. And, you know, um, Kevin O'Connell played for the Patriots, so he knows kind of the, the Belichick system a bit. But what the one thing that does worry me, Mac Jones took six sacks against the Jets. The, the Jets are probably a bit better up front than um, Minnesota. In fact, they are um, you know, with, with Quinn and Williams there, especially. But um, that could be that could be a very dangerous thing if the Patriots don't come up with some way of, of pass blocking. Um, for, for Mac Jones because he he and pressure don't get along any any better than Kirk 
Cousins does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll let you guys think on your best bets uh, for Thanksgiving. Just a reminder that obviously hey. the World Cup is well and truly underway, and we have football only better, which covers every single game of the World Cup. It's dropping pretty much daily, kind of semi daily. Um, with the guys covering all of the uh, group games. Been a couple of winning bets so far already in what uh, has been an interesting World Cup um, as we speak. Uh, it has just finished up zip-zip in uh, Croatia-Morocco, which is the third nil-nil so far of, I think, only nine games. And there was only zero, one, sorry, there was only one zero-zero in the last World Cup. In the whole right, tournament, yeah. so this makes me worried about this particular Oracle. But let's see; it's early days. It's early yeah, days think, yet. Think of how they feel in Morocco. They <laughs> they feel bad about the nil nil today as well. Uh, look, I'm going to say about my um, best bet. I've already kind of said it because I've already put the uh, put the the money down. Uh, it is over in the Giants Cowboys game. Uh, John Boss, what do you got? I'm going to go with the. Uh, I've convinced myself. I didn't actually. I, I thought I'd kind of pour it this week and pick a best bet on the fly, depending on how the conversations went, rather than uh, than think of it last night when I was preparing my notes. But I think I've convinced myself. I put up a really good case for the uh, for the under in the Patriots Vikings game. So that's what I'm going no, to go you with. Can't, but... You can't do that. Why? Because so, you picked it. Yeah. So so am I. I'm there. I, <laughs> well, that's okay. I, it's Thanksgiving. I said, it, I said it is 41-5 when you guys said it's actually up to 42-5. Yeah. <laughs> That's the killer. So John and I can go hand in hand. So we actually have have an accord in this one. Okay, great. It's a beautiful time of the year, you know? (laughs) Cincinnati and Pittsburgh delivered for me on the over um, last week. Yeah, we should, I I should probably mention that. uh, Yeah. My, I lost my best bet last week, unfortunately in the Chicago Atlantic game, I went over to 1.5 and there was 51 points in the game. So I was praying. I was praying. Well, that might have clicked if it had come down. We, I I don't actually know what it was. Oh, actually, it could be. I I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't actually, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I'll look into that. That that might've come down, but I was just hoping for like, you know, a a two point convert or something like that, you know, just to (laughs) to put me over the, over the top of it. 50 is a heavy path to get to. Um, And that's it, gentlemen. Thank you so much for that. Mike from the States, you can, are you, are you up for good now, Mike? Are you going to go back to bed or are you, are you up? Is this? Oh, no, no, I'm up. I'm up. Oh, you're running. up. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Good. Well, that once that cider kicks in, you will be up and running. Yeah. Um, are you going back to bed? Um, I, mean, I would love to go back to bed. <laughs> Ten months old. Let's all go back to bed, I, shall we? I, bed I never see bed. I just never see the bed. It's just not a thing in my life at the moment. Um, and John, thank you for joining me in a of kind course, of normal, more normal part of the day. Uh, we, we we should be back. We'll look at Sunday's games. We're going to discuss it now and see if we can make time to get another show in this week. And um, if not, as I said, racing only better is uh, sorry, football only better. It's previewing all the work up and racing only better uh, will be live on Thursday evening. And that big breaking news. From the world of racing today, of course, is that Constitution Hill and Epitant will clash in the Betfair Fighting Fifth on Saturday. That should be a really, really cracking race, the eyes of the racing world on Newcastle. Uh, please gamble responsibly. Hopefully, you have a lovely Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you have a lovely weekend. We'll be back next week. Bye for now. <laughs>